You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hey everybody, it's your buddy Matt. Welcome to the Giganticast. I wanted to do a little intro and for those of you listening uh, who've been listening for a while, you probably know that when Matt does an intro, it usually means that something went wrong. <laughs> well, that's not uh, entirely untrue today. Uh, in fact, it's exactly what happened. Uh, I did this episode here with my buddy Ed Holland of Monster Attack Team, and we spent a good 45 minutes, almost an hour, trying to figure out what was going on. We tried Skype, we tried Zoom, we tried Facebook Messenger, and for whatever reason, we just couldn't get our connection to work. We don't know if it was his internet, we don't know if it was my internet. He is in Japan, and as a result, you know, there's always going to be some difficulty, either through timing or whatever the limits of technology are. But eventually we just said, screw it, and we called each other over Skype on our phones. Now, we were able to record off of my phone, and there are, of course, some delays, a little bit of um, garbling, you know, from uh, his end or my end. So I just wanted to apologize for the quality of the call, but it's also not the worst quality, or it's, it's, it's not... <laughs> it's far from the craziest... Uh, recording snafu we've ever had, but hopefully it'll still be fun to listen to and it won't be too obnoxious. We're going to do our best to, you know, not have something like this happen again in the future. Anyway, um, thanks so much for listening and for your support. Hope everyone stays safe out there and uh, enjoy the show. From the depths of pop culture rises a beast of unimaginable obsession to wreak havoc on the podcast of man. This is the Giganticast. episode of the gigantic cast in a little while and i thought we would do something special for it uh and i thought i would uh call my buddy ed holland as he's already said for monster attack team long-running uh, kaiju fanzine and uh, uh a, a man who has has been around the block a few times uh mr ed holland thank you very much for joining me thank you very much for having me matt when you asked me about uh being on your show, I was definitely, you know, being a guest on such a podcast as this is, is an honor. And uh, when you asked me out, the first thing I said was, when, where, and how do we do it? <laughs> Therein lies the question, isn't it? I, <laughs> we're still figuring out the how. Uh, I mean, you and I, what, we fought for 45 minutes to try to get this recording going. <laughs> and, we sure um, did. The first time I ever had an issue trying to get through. Well, that's Skype's problem, and then Messenger's problem, 
and then Zoom's problem, so not ours. Um, so, so I'm just I'm just doing this on the old phone, and we will see how it goes. But uh, yes, um, well, why don't you uh, why don't you tell the people a little bit uh, about yourself and uh, you know how uh, you know how we know each other and uh, what uh, what uh, what you bring to the kaiju realm. Well, thank you, Matt. Um, you and I, of course, we've been collaborating here and there, many different projects, particularly Monster Attack Team-related stuff. And there was a brief period where I believe I was promoting your prowess to the editors of Famous Monsters of Filmland before mm-hmm. you got that comic series. And yeah, yeah. Sometime after that, I think, not too long after that, uh, you and I met up at uh, Acon in Dallas in 2013. Uh, excuse me, in 2013. And we shared uh, tables next to each other at the uh, what I still believe is the longest running anime convention in North uh, America. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I remember so, that weekend very well. <laughs> well, over the years, I guess you and I, you know, running to each other at different places, whether it may be GFS or uh, San Diego Comic Con, Japan World Heroes in Pasadena, and Japan various times too. So I think. Most recently, that would have been the time we saw each other at Wonder Festival and at last year's uh, Subaraya Convention, Subicon, which was a lot yes. of fun. Yeah, oh yeah, that was uh, that was tremendous. And of course, uh, we'll go into more detail later. But you have also you have been a gracious host for me. You know, you've you've let me sleep uh, on your couch at least once, and um, uh, even took me out for Thanksgiving dinner, uh, which. Was uh was great because I I, I had not celebrated Thanksgiving uh a, a, up to that point for almost three four years in a row, so because I was in Japan every time, and that was a traditional mm. good old fashioned turkey dinner, and I loved it. Yeah, um, it was great to have you, and it was nice that you were able to come by and visit with my family too. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Your family is uh they they are they are a, a lovely collection of characters in their own right. <laughs> and I mean that with all the love in the world. <laughs> well thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, my kids still have the um the little illustration you did of Godzilla and Ultraman that you left for them, so thank you for that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Uh so Ed, I would say that your you're best known for your work for On Monster Attack Team. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Monster Attack Team and exactly exactly what it is for those who, who may not be familiar with it? Okay, you ready for all this information? It may <laughs> take a little bit of time. Strapped I'm, in? I'm ready. I'm, my loins are girded. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I guess... Basically, from the beginning, myself and MAT collectively, who have been a host of people over the years, both uh, American and Japanese and other countries involved, too, we were about and we started a group uh, basically to promote the genre of tokusatsu. And particularly, we started it to help those that were also doing stuff that were promoting it on their own regard. So I guess... According to legend, where you stepped in, and I'll go back a little bit later, but where I think you stepped in and joined up as, uh, with us is when you, according to what I've heard from um, my buddy Mike Keller, who's been editing Monster Attack off and on, is that you saw 
images of the cover of uh, M18 number eight, and um, eight is full of you know contributions for a lot of different movers and shakers and promotion of tokusatsu stateside and different tokusatsu properties, professionally and fan based. And then I think what I believe happened is you kind of started a buzz on Deviant Art about Matt Eight, and then uh, we had a promo piece on Sci-Fi Japan about the issue, and I believe you contributed to uh, the creation of something for Beyond Eight. And uh, I think what happened was, according to Mike, you got in touch with him or you guys got in touch together. And then that relationship with your involvement kind of, you know, grew exponentially over time. That was basically our official comeback period because we were kind of, you know, uh, basically non-existent for a while. I mean, we still were doing things, but I was off working in the military, you know, whether I was hanging out of a helicopter in the Alaskan Sea or going off to Iraq, wherever it may be. Uh, uh, so we weren't really we weren't really doing stuff at the time. So Mike uh, kind of kickstarted it back into gear, and then I think that's when you uh, did a unmade Ultraman art piece for a different version of Eight because Eight was so large that when we decided to distribute it, we talked to Diamond, and Diamond said we'd love it. It's great. You got to <laughs> split it in half. <laughs> mm, okay, yeah. This is all that? coming back to me. Oh yeah. No, I. I was very happy to uh, to be involved in that issue because um, I remember I remember getting a hold of the first version, the first uh, yeah, the first version of that issue that had the unmade Ultraman information. Which uh, again, for those who don't know, there was an attempt at an American Ultraman film in the eighties, I believe, or was it in the seventies? Eighties. Late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, and uh, it had some really fun uh, concept art that went with it, uh, and there was just it was just great background information and a great story, and it really set my imagination on fire. And yeah, through our conversations and stuff, mostly uh, Mike, I believe, was the one who really uh, was was instrumental in putting me in touch with you i gotta have him on the show sometime he'd be a, he'd be a gas um yes. he's uh always got something interesting to say uh but uh, he he was really instrumental in kind of bringing me in and because you could only because i think i really became familiar with it at at g fest and it was and i think it was the g fest where mike was there peddling the magazine but you couldn't make it because you were overseas or you know like you said doing military stuff or something you were just busy and i i might be misremembering all that but yeah and i think you're correct i think i think what i believe i heard happen is you ended up buying a copy and yeah and from mike and mike discussed some of that with you and then when we we started contacting each other but we didn't eventually meet face to face until i brought you a copy of the double version, so to speak, 8 and 8.5, or 8.5 and 9, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And issue 9, I think, is the one that had your cover art on it. And because of, you know, Mike's, uh, you know, prowess in getting stuff printed and all that, it looked beautiful. I mean, 8 looked good. 8.5 looked good. But, you know, your issue with the the cover work on 9 
was so great. I came by to your table at GFest and bought a print of that artwork. <laughs> that, that is that is really funny. I remember uh, being very proud of that piece. And at the time, I don't believe I was officially working on any tokusatsu properties. I believe the closest thing I had was the work I had done on the Ray Harryhausen books for Blue Water Productions, uh, mm-hmm. which... Uh, six degrees of separation. I've been um, I've been working with uh, some. Well, let's just. I actually I'm not going to get too far into it. What I will say is that I'm back in touch with uh, the guy who basically owned Blue Water, or or essentially was one of the guys in charge over at Blue Water. But we're working on something completely different now. And uh, it's, uh, <laughs> well, I won't say much more than that. But well, that's good. I'm sure there's something good to, to come about that we can maybe share in one of your future uh, podcast episodes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yep, absolutely. But that being said, uh, I so was not. kind of like the genesis of all that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That time period was really when everything was kind of gestating and starting to come together. Um, cause I started, I, I was not, again, I was not a sta- really established yet as a professional. I was mostly just doing fan art, but, um, yeah, man. Uh, so monster attack team, I'm thinking I, I'm I'm pulling back the clock a little bit because I want to hear about the <laughs> the the access show you had or you had like a you had a TV show about Monster Attack Team right? Yeah. So when all that started, it was many years ago, and it's kind of hard to put it in context. But this was all before you know before. Uh, that's hard for me to explain, but before like Saturday Night Live took off and did, you know, the Wayne and Garth stuff and mm-hmm. before cable access had any kind of prominence anywhere in the United States or elsewhere. So when it all started, my friend uh, Joe Riley and I got together and we started it as a fanzine, kind of a club first, then a fanzine. And we were approached at a uh, Dallas Fantasy Fair. Mm. Dallas Fantasy Fair is it was the prominent, you know, convention years ago and they even had like the harvey kurtz comic book awards there and stuff like that so Hmm. people had heard about us and so a tv producer uh named larry king not the larry king that used (laughs) to be on cnn and all that Mm -hmm. but he came up and he approached us and he asked if we would like to do a cable access program about monster attack team and that's kind of how it started to gain traction and when I mean gain traction, this was, you know, prior to G-Fan. This was prior to other publications covering Tokusatsu. I think at the time, the only thing that was still kind of uh, around and it actually had closed down was uh, Markalite. They had finished three issues. Uh, oh, yeah. And so that was about the only other entity in the whole, you know, ballpark. And so what happened is uh, my friend Joe Riley, who was a makeup artist, he and I decided to get together. And just make it a fun, you know, entertaining type of show, talking about our love about the genre and talking about films. But, you know, we, we went beyond. We, we didn't just talk about, you know, Kamen Rider and Ultraman and Godzilla or, or Gamera. We discussed other things like Japanese rock and, you know, you know, fringe type stuff. And because of that, uh, it actually became pretty popular. And we became basically 
a TV program as we, was, we were building our network. I had put an ad mm. in an old Japanese culture publication called Manga Gene. I don't know if that even still mm. exists anymore. Probably not. And so, you know, it was, a, it was a book that taught you how to learn Japanese and use manga and stuff like that. But it also had some, you know, you know fairly scholarly people working on it. So we put ads and stuff in there, and then people started contacting me from around the world. Letters started flooding in. We got pen pals from Japan. Uh, Kevin Graves, who ended up, you know, working for GFAN and other publications later, contacted us. So a lot of the who's who of who's in the tokusatsu genre kind of started with us and then, you know, branched from there on their own accord. Um, we ended up getting in touch with people who, like, worked for TV Guide Japan, People nice. who were friends friends with you know special effects director uh, Koichi Kawakita from the Heisei era of Godzilla, nice. and then other people started copying the show and sending it <laughs> around to their friends. <laughs> oh, there you go, keep <laughs> circulating the tapes. <laughs> yes, because I don't have it. <laughs> but, oh um, no. Going back in time, you know, try to remember a time, and this a long time ago, obviously. When there were no official groups, there were no official fan things, maybe except for uh, Ed Gajaseski's seminal Japanese giants once in a while. There wasn't even G-Fan. And the Marco, like I said, had already done their their thing and had kind of folded and closed up. So uh -huh. we came along, we developed a zine, and we started collaborating, uncovering what we could and what we could do from desolate Texas, where there were no Japanese grocery stores or any kind of centers that were promoting Japanese culture. Yeah, certainly, but, certainly not at the time. Um, definitely, the <laughs> landscape has definitely changed nowadays. Nowadays, we have a uh, Kinokuniya in Dallas. There's a Kinokuniya in Austin. There's a Kinokuniya in uh, near the Houston area. Um, can't get can't get rid of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, that is so. So my dream came true, but I left. That's <laughs> the dream. You yeah, you had to go to Japan. <laughs> Yes. But here's the funny part. I guess because the producer put my, you know, phone number on there and we had, you know, quite a few episodes. We started doing people started calling. People started calling oh. from the West Coast. People like nice. uh, authorities on Tokusatsu, you know, including Damon Foster and Bob Johnson and August Rigoni, those kind of people were calling me and they were talking to me on the phone and asked sometimes one hours on the phone about what my interests were and how we started all this because they were circulating the tapes. Uh, yeah. I heard people like Patrick Macias, who works on Otaku USA these days, uh, got mm -hmm. a tape, started promoting it. I heard the tapes went all the way to Toho and other people. And so, you know, I felt sorry for some publications and things later. They got cease and desist letters. We we were fine. It was really bizarre. We were showing clips of Godzilla versus Biollante. We were showing clips of Godzilla versus King Ghidra, including the scene where the American soldiers get wiped out. And they weren't even showing that stuff on, you know, Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> oh man, I, I I think I remember some of that controversy because wasn't yeah wasn't that was that was kind of the, a little bit of a to do there for a minute when. Uh, the whole Godzillasaurus killing the American uh, soldiers at, at wherever at, on Lagos yes. Island that that was a bit of a point of contention. Yes, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> oh man, that that's it's good stuff though. Like 
It's so fascinating. Well, I think it's me. funny because it's funny because Entertainment Tonight talked about it, but we actually right. showed it. Oh yeah, <laughs> you got one over on Entertainment Tonight. Um, <laughs> just just as a quick check, am I still coming through okay on your end? Yeah, you are. You come out uh, uh, once in a while, but I can hear you. So I just kind of wait for the pause, and then I'm back in. Yeah. Uh, same here, same here. I I I uh, I really appreciate everybody bearing with me. Uh, it's definitely not the biggest audio disaster to happen in the history of the uh, of my podcast uh, involving Toshi's <laughs> uh, the famous incident of Toshi's melting microphone. But we won't dwell on the past. Um, no, let's so... talk about the future <laughs> or the past <laughs> or the yeah. Well, sure. I it's so fascinating to me because uh, you you were of that generation where this stuff was so hard to get a hold of and there wasn't any Internet, you know, nine times out of ten. If you wanted to see this stuff, you had to go to Japan to see it. And or you or were lucky you were to get Dallas, Fort Worth there and go to, go to our parties or, or go and see us at a convention. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and and that's really how it started, you know, because it's right. it's this it's Listen. this like because now it's like it's just, it's just a click of a button, and right. I think that there might be certain certain members of the community, there might uh, older members of the community. I'm not pointing anybody out, but there might be some resentment of uh, it's like, well, back in my day, you had to have a Japanese <laughs> dictionary and you walk ten miles in the snow. I had to walk five. I had to walk. Yeah, exactly. I'd walk five miles to a Korean grocery store and look beneath the shelves to find something off Japanese TV. <laughs> Oh, and I'm not kidding. Yeah. I have to, but no, 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 no. I, I feel like the closest experience to that, that I had was going to anime conventions, looking for Kaiju stuff, which was still slim pickings at certain points. Um, but it, anyway, um, so you, you have the show and you just, you know, you, this thing kind of spun out from that. Uh, yes. The and and now eventually, Monster Attack Team, like you said, it it, it came back in the form of you know uh, uh, it, it started coming back. You started and and then eventually, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm uh, I'm bouncing all over the place here, but it, eventually, you more or less uh, brought it back in a, in a much bigger way in part of the association with famous monsters. Do you yes. want to go into that at all? Like how that all sure. happened? I, I think that was um, a great time and actually, was, you know, it was a great opportunity for, for us, you know, because there were some lean times, but in between those times, things also did happen. Um, you know, new people came in, new people came out, but we, created things that people still have. Like I know certain people still have their, their monster attack team, you know, membership card and their cloisoning pen that was patterned after common rider or Ultraman monsters and hand painted things like that. The show actually migrated. So some of those copies were picked up by people in the Chicago area and it was actually being shown on Chicago cable access without my knowledge. And then, uh, 
to a point to where the local Chicago uh, newspapers, entertainment newspapers, were, you know, covering it in their publication. Someone sent me a copy from Chicago of, of, a, of a newsletter, and there was my picture in a Chicago newsletter talking about our TV show that was born and hatched in Dallas. It was kind of interesting. So wow. there was always a buzz. There was always a buzz. So even if we, you know, weren't doing something, someone was still talking about it. One time, um, this is how the story goes. I don't know if it was G-Fest or another convention, but uh -huh. all these people were agape in, the, in a convention uh, room, a uh, viewing room, and they were watching a music video. And people were just like, wow, that's great. That's awesome. And I think it was Linnell Bridges from mm -hmm. the Chicago area said, man, that's a great video. Whose video is that? And according to legend, August Ragoni walked in and said, that was produced and done by Monster Attacking from Texas. And everybody's Ooh. like, wow. And this is this is like 12th generation, like, you know, blurring between the lines. You couldn't see what's going on. But <laughs> that music video was so popular that the avant-garde art group, the Church of Subgenius, picked it up and made some kind of special doctrine on top of that regarding just the video alone. And it was just Ooh. a video that, that was, you know, edited by Joe and I, 19-plus hours, of all kinds of clips from everything you could imagine – but it was, you know, a three-minute, 47-second video that had just about everything in the kitchen sink in there, and it just got played all over the time, all over the place. And it's still, if you look up Monster Attack Team intro on YouTube, you can find it. And just look back, and, you know, it's all done with VHS machines. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can't imagine video editing at that time. That sounds like it would be a nightmare. Um... But it was fun. <laughs> Sure. So sure. the show progressed, and then the show went away. You know, people, you know, later said, "Oh, it's like Wayne's World," but it predates Wayne's. World. And then an offshoot came up called Alien Death Squad, which is more anime-based and kind of, you know, different kind of culture type stuff. It was done by a friend of mine named David May, who's a music producer. He still does music today. And then there was a, you know, a, a time when we kind of were not doing anything. We did show up at the second. G-Con when mm. Nakajima-san and Satsuma-san showed up and we were there and taking photos and I brought the Godzilla 85 large standee and then they asked me to borrow it and those pictures were in Chicago newspapers so interesting nice. times you know they interviewed them and they were on that Funimation or um, expressions and animation video we were there we interviewed them too uh, mm. and, and this over time you know finally I got I came back to Japan. I'd visited in the 80s, and then I came back and lived here. Didn't have much time to actually do, you know, the magazine or that kind of stuff, and I actually wanted to. But when Mike resurrected it and you got involved, that was kind of like the, the whole starting, which led to the association with Famous Monsters. Mm. Um, there, are other, there are other people who were developing it. Um, August Regoni was promoting it. But to be honest, uh, it was the – countless phone calls and discussions I had with, with Phil Kim that actually made that issue happen. And I think today, issue 10 of MAT, published by Famous Monsters, is the largest magazine book, MOOC, if you will, mm -hmm. M-O-O-K, ever done in English on Tokusatsu. That is incredible. I mean, I remember finally getting a hold of it myself, and it's got this it's got this uh, cover by Bob Eggleton with uh, uh, I believe it was Gavon and Kyoryuger on it, um, Correct. which 
uh, whose idea was it to do to use those uh, characters? I that was not my idea, so okay. I got overruled on that. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some politics. There's some politics there, but uh, the original idea was going to have uh, Rodan and Ultra Seven and some other various things, but yeah. that did not happen. <laughs> well, you can ask Bob Eggleston about that if you want. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, no, I just I just think it's interesting how stuff can kind of um, stuff can change, you know, and and you'll think that something because I'm sure the reason why that idea was put forward was simply because of uh, that uh, those characters were really hot, at least in Tokusatsu circles at the time, because Shoryuger was the newest show and or Power Rangers Dino Charge, it's called in America. And then uh, Space Sheriff Gavan was j- just recently had a revival in Japan at that time. Is that correct? correct. Yeah. That is correct. What, what's really funny is Gavan just showed up in Power Rangers, in Power Rangers Beast Morphers. Um, <laughs> But he's called something. Of course, they gave him some weird new name. Gavon G, maybe. I I don't know. I can't even remember. He's got a weird name, but uh, it is kind of cool seeing you get to seeing him in a seeing other Tokusatsu, other Toei heroes in an in an American produced New Zealand created show. Uh, alongside the Power Rangers, he Gavan showed up, and then in the previous season, uh, what's his name? Um, Ninja. It was a it was a ninja character in Mirai Ninja. No, no, it wasn't Mirai Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be amazing. I Mirai Ninja is awesome. Um, no, 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 it was the red guy. He was a uh, um, wasn't Arashi. It was. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. What's that? It wasn't Ninja last year. I know that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. It was, uh, oh, that's going to drive me up a wall, but it's fine. Um, You'll get back to it. Yeah, it'll come back to me. It's funny funny you mention that because we felt the same way about that stuff when Power Rangers started getting popular on the first run. And the the reason I say that is because, you know, we had... Ultraman from Australia that was on television about the time that Monster Attack Team started, which was great. We had, yeah. you know, watching parties, viewing parties, that kind of stuff. But also at that time, um, I was invited to the set of Ultraman Powered. And, and so I went out to California a few times. The first time I'd been out there since I was a child. So one of the trips included me uh, getting invited to press day on the set of uh, Ultraman Powered, Ultraman the Ultimate Hero, and also mm-hmm. stopping by and visiting the high school set from Power Rangers before Power Rangers was released. Oh. So, so to you know follow this stuff and cover it on a cable access show and cover it in our uh, fanzine, which you know branched into a magazine, and then to see it coming to American shores, it was really nice to watch how popular the stuff became and how quickly people started to try to, you know, kind of catch on to the bandwagon, so to speak. At that time, uh, Ultra Fan came out, 
and the magazine Sentai came out, and some of that was kind of in the same mode as what we were doing at the time. Those magazines and those publications have since ceased, but mm. it's good to hear that you know G Fan's still going on, and you know Ben Dunn with Antarctic Press is still doing stuff. And to go back full circle, we could talk about more of the associations and friends that. You know, we've made, and, and one person in particular I'd like to say something about is uh, Hiroshi Kanatani, who I introduced, <laughs> his art, I introduced his artwork to Ben Dunn at Comic-Con years ago, and he oh. was all over it. And Ben got up to me, and we were talking. He goes, I really like Monster Taxi. When is that going to come back? I'm like, uh, <laughs> wait one second. Let me go talk to Diamond. <laughs> and we talked to Diamond, and Diamond ended up publishing, you know, publishing us, not with oh. us going through some agent or something, but actually publishing the issues and they ended up publishing the two successive ones including your artwork and as soon as they sold they asked us for more and so we gave them more oh. and then eventually they dropped us and then you know a little time after that came the the deal with famous monsters and you know i was really happy as i said once again to do that but not only do that but to contribute to their other issues of famous monsters and to you know, be involved in some of their conventions and things of that nature, and I say that with all you know respect because I bought Famous Monsters as a kid when it was like a dollar, a dollar and a quarter at the grocery mm. store, and to you know to walk up and see such a publication, but then to be able to to write for them, it was it was so it was really wonderful, and you know um, this is going into the future, but they had a, a great convention in Dallas, and uh, I was able to invite uh, Shinji Higuchi, director Shinji Higuchi, and cinematographer mm -hmm. Keiji Sakurai to Dallas. And all my friends and family came out, and it was a big party. And <laughs> some people traveled from across the United States just to go there to see the things that Higuchi-san and Sakurai-san were, you know, were going to bring to them. And the things they showed and the things that they did uh, at that convention, you'll never see that again. I mean, it was just it was wonderful for the people who were there. You know, they got to experience Godzilla 101 with the director of Shin Godzilla and, you know, Godzilla and more with Sakurai-san, who started working on, you know, Zone Fighter when he was much younger and mm. also worked on Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla and so much more. Uh, I'm just very appreciative that, you know, the fan club and the fanzine branched out and worked in something really big. Yeah, I, I was – you should definitely – I think that's definitely a, a point of pride that, that – to for you just to have been involved in all that stuff i was i unfortunately was not able to attend that event and i remember hearing about it and it just sounded like a blast i i don't remember where i was that weekend i think i i think it was one of those situations where it was like i had to i had to be out of town like i had to be somewhere else and there was no getting around it but right. i yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate. I've unfortunately I've never met Sakurai-san, but I am very fortunate that I've run into Higuchi-san. I literally like not didn't run into him, but we just randomly were on the same train in Tokyo <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago. It's one of my favorite stories. I was just on a train. I was just heading somewhere. I don't even remember where I was going. And I the door opens up and here comes this guy and you know he's he's got glasses he's a little heavier set but you know he's I'm just thinking like that's not and he locks eyes with me we're kind of looking at each other but we're also kind of looking away because we don't want to embarrass you know this other person but we keep looking at each other and I'm just like 
And, he, and I remember going up to him and saying, Asimasen, Higuchi san. And he goes, uh, he goes, Abato um, san. And because uh, <laughs> he knew me from the internet, and I think we met at G Fest once before, but. And we had a big laugh because we were just like, oh, my God, Tokyo is big, but it's so narrow. Everybody just gets funneled into the same uh, points. And we had a good laugh, and we took yeah, some he's pictures. He's a great guy. Unfortunately, Go ahead. That's good. I said he's a great guy, you know, and I, and I really, you know, you talk about the pandemic on the beginning of our phone call. I really wish that, you know, that things were better because I don't get a chance to see him that often, but – the times that I have and you know, the, the times we spent in Dallas and times I interviewed him in San Diego and, and other things that we've done, uh, he's a wonderful person. And, you know, he's just like us. He's, you know, he's, he's kind, he's considerate, he's, he work, he's a workaholic, and he really cares about the quality and the craft, you know. And um, it's just amazing. And the, there's people like that that are still, you know, living and breathing and doing such great things for the genre. I think, you know, you hear that tired slogan the best time to be a fan the worst time to be a fan mm-hmm. i think any day that you can get up and enjoy something so creative that these guys put out and then be able to talk to them when you get a chance about you know how they developed and, and nurtured this stuff it's it's such a sweet reward you know i i i absolutely agree i i'm i'm just really i'm really happy to hear that sentiment you're making you're choking me up a little bit man you're making me a little emotional because i'm thinking about <laughs> Because uh, Higuchi uh, Higuchi-san was so kind to ask me to contribute to his Kaiju versus COVID or Kaiju defeat COVID uh, campaign, where it just he was just getting people to uh, make little video snippets of um, people sending Kaiju to each other, uh, to specifically through Japan, but internationally as well. And I, of course, made my own video that was really inspired by my wife, Morgan. She uh, she came up with the idea of me bursting out of a pile of toys. And we spent a good, like, two hours or maybe maybe like an hour and a half setting it up and doing it. And then if that didn't work, set it up, do it again. That didn't work. Set it up, do it again. That one might be the one. And uh, it was tremendous. And I thought it was a, a really good idea uh that he had and uh and 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 i was able to in a way uh, i was able to at, uh what's the word i want to use he returned the favor in a way to me by uh contributing to kaiju Line. he sent he recorded a little video to all the fans who were missing out on g fest this year but we were doing the kaiju Line thing which um uh, hopefully we'll do another one. And uh, I, I'm so I'm so scatterbrained these days. Were you involved in that at all, Ed? Did you do any Kaiju Conline stuff, or was that... Yeah, I did a I did a a panel with uh, Kyle Young, uh that we had planned to do potentially at G Fest that got canceled. So right. talked about Godzilla Fest uh, 2019. Mm. Okay. And so that was a a lot of fun and a lot of people i guess tuned in and liked it but you know those those events are they weren't that long ago but they almost seem like cherished you know pastimes because of the things going on right now so that was kind of a gift to be able to show 
people what it was like and what hopefully it will be. We know that the uh, Godzilla Fest this year will be also virtual. Yeah. It won't be the same, but I'm sure it'll be great. Um, I, you know, if I had the time and the, and the wherewithal, I'd write a book about some of the experiences that I've been able to see and, and do. And some of them are heavily photographed and still have not seen the light of day, including, mm-hmm. you know, vis- visiting Toho Studios and being on set for Godzilla Appears of Sugigawa, which was, you know, now running as a, as a small film up in Fukushima. I've mm-hmm. been very fortunate and very thankful to, to make some of these great people friends and, and help them and help promote them too in a way that they probably deserve, you know, uh, deserve oh, more. Yeah. So now well, when you're talking um, about the COVID-19 thing, um, I got involved. I don't know what happened to all of our pieces we submitted, but I was uh, a go-between with the team Thailand and Higuchi-san. And so I sent him their footage and he said, have all subtitle in Japanese. So I got back with team Thailand and team Thailand Send in all the footage subtitled in Japanese. <laughs> oh man, I I don't know if he ever got to use any of that. I um I there were so many of those videos I kind of lost track of them. Um, right. Uh, but that's that's so great though. I mean, um, well, here, here's the cool thing about the videos, and you probably know this because you were involved in it. But uh-huh. the people who were editing them and and directing them are all people famous in their own right or politely humble in their own right. Who've worked on Gamera and Shin Gojira and Ultraman and oh, yeah. you know, various projects. So to see that kind of content coming out for free just to motivate people, I'll be honest, it motivated me, you know. Oh, yeah. I know it motivated it, you because I saw your video. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I was very I was very glad to be involved. And and it really was very flattering that Higuchi-san asked me to do that. And, um, it, it just, yeah, it was pure motivation. It's pure. Uh, you, it, it, it's in times like these where you really find out who the helpers are, who the good people are in the world, the people who they'll take the time to do something or help with something that is just to spread goodwill. And, and that's not to say that they're not doing it for themselves a little bit. I mean, it, it, God knows that it 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 lifted my spirits tremendously, but it's just about sharing goodwill and and really that's what a large part of the kaiju genre and the kaiju fandom by extension has been about. You know, it's not like this is a genre or an industry that people get into because they want to make money. Um, <laughs> I mean, right. I I mean, obviously. Toho is the biggest movie studio in Japan and uh you know they've got deep pockets but even the pandemic is hit, is 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 you know they're smarting from it but at the same time um the people working on it the people doing the work you know those are the people who uh truly love this stuff and it it just which is why it saddens me sometimes when we get enough people, when some of us get into fights online with each other or people are start snipping at each other or, or getting on their high horses and stuff. It, it bums me out because it's like, I, I, I got this lovely note from a fan. One of my times I was in Japan he, cause he had given me something else. He had given me one of these uh, translucent Godzilla figures. It was an event exclusive. I, I can't remember which one it was, but I have the note 
there with those translucent figures. And the, the note says something to the tune of there is no bad guy who likes Kaiju. <laughs> and um, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't take that as a rule. I take it as an aspiration. Uh, and I, I, sometimes I'm online and I really want to shove that in people's face and be like, you're making this random guy. I met in Japan disappointed the way you act like this, <laughs> but Anyway, it's neither here. Well, you know, um, you, you, it is, no, but it's really here because I, you know, I'm saying that because I am here, and you know, your kind of sentiment is the kind of thing that that helps people to. It's kind of sometimes the glue that helps people feel good about themselves or feel good about what they're watching. And I'm saying that because, you know, like I said, I've had the blessing of being able to be, you know, in the offices of Toho or the offices of Ishimura Productions or the offices of, you know, animators or manga people, or to be on set or to be in the audience and, you know, try to watch, you know, a live viewing of Garamon from Ultra Q with all these notables, you know, like Hiroko Sakurai mm. in the seats. And then not try and then try not to shed a tear because you feel sorry for, you know, the tragic kaiju Garamon, you know? <laughs> but, you know, but then to be able to cover it and then write an article about it and then share that with people for us, at least for me, and I, I'm speaking for probably the majority of the people who've been associated with uh, monster attacks over the years is to share is to disseminate. Now it's right. nice. And, and, you know, lately uh, it's not nice to be able to get some income for the work that I've done mm-hmm. or to be able to you know get something of, you know, significance from that contribution. But if I can help in some way, or if we can help, as a group or a magazine or a publication to promote something, well, then it, it feels right. It feels natural. And, and it's not self-serving because uh, I didn't make the show. I didn't make the movie, you know, <laughs> and that's kind of the reason why I don't call myself an expert or something of that nature, because I didn't do the work. But mm. if I can help promote it and cover it and document it, you know, historically, then I think that's – I kind of wish there were more people doing that. And now there are more people involved in the genre and more people with a YouTube channel or this or that. But, um, you know, the, the humbleness and the reserve quality, you kind of have to incorporate, you know, incorporate that into your vernacular if you're going to get involved with some of these institutions, some of these uh, productions. Well, I – I think that goes hand in hand a lot with the inherent Japanese-ness of this genre. And that's not to say the genre is limited to Japan, but Japan mm-hmm. is the meat and potatoes of the genre comes from Japan. And right. there is an inherent um, humbleness to a lot of what people do. Like, I can't tell you how many times I have, I've, uh, uh, for example, uh, my buddy Daisuke Sato, who was the director of the uh, movie Howl from Beyond the Fog. Uh, and he's he's the guy who introduced me to uh, legendary monster suit maker Keizo Murase. Um And I have asked Daisuke-san to sign, because he worked on Gamera the Brave, and I've asked him to sign right. uh, uh, books and stuff uh, for me. And the, 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 the shade, his face turns is, is adorable <laughs> because he's so, he's just so humble. And I mean, uh, and, and then you've got Marase-san, who's this old legend in 
the genre. Right. He's just this. He's just this this living legend. I, I hope he's doing okay with all this stuff going on. I, I need to ask Sato to check in on him for me. But um, Murasu-san, he's got his own little stickers that he get he he uses when he's autographing stuff for people. But that's uh-huh. not, but so he knows that his autograph has um, cachet, but he never mm-hmm. treats it. He never treats it in a way where you would feel he's being uncourteous. He's always very right. like kind of matter of fact about it where it's like, well, yes, here, here's my autograph and here's some photos that, of, of the stuff <laughs> I've worked on. And he's just, it's almost like he's being overly generous with his own autograph and merchandise. It's just, it's just, it's very, it's very charming in a humble way. Yes. He's very, very charming, very charming. And you know, there's, there's so many times you mentioned Sato-san and uh, Murase-san. Mm-hmm. I, for lack of a better word or description, many times when I'm somewhere or see something, I kind of wish you were there sometimes, or I wish, mm. you know, some of us were together to, to enjoy that. I remember watching at the opening of the, the camera exhibit, uh, mm. watching, watching Sato-san admire Morase-san in the background in the clouds of the camera or gals chasing camera. Mm. In the clouds that Toshio Miike and his twenty different students put together just for that exhibit, so it's like you know, I I get a kind of a, an overall view of things as, as a photographer, as a photojournalist, but I never miss anything. But I sometimes have to distance myself and not get too into it because it's so special. It's it's so timely. You might not get it again. You know, um, I can I can describe you know certain situations like taking, you know, Haro Nakajima and Sonoi Nakajima up to the Godzilla Hotel in mm-hmm. Shinjuku for the, for the first and final time. And mm. to see Nakajima's face light up and, you know, kind of do this oral, like a, a spiritual, you know, photo of him with Godzilla behind him and, and to see how far it's come, you know, and, yeah. and hopefully it'll continue. Yeah, I think it's so easy to it's easy to get kind of wrapped up in the commercialization of it all and to sit there and kind of be like, oh, well, you know, it's this big this is a big, massive industry, this massive uh, um, capitalistic endeavor with all these movies and merchandise and stuff. But you still you see the joy it brings to people, especially the people who worked on this stuff and the people who originated it. And to see that little those right. those moments of joy, that's what it's really about, you know. You know, and, and just, it's to come full circle. I mean, even the suits, like you know, there's a there's a difference between people working on the movie and the suits and the business people that are backing it up. I noticed that on the set of Toho, when everybody kind of took a break and let the the businessmen come in and look at the set. But I also noticed it at Godzilla Fest last year mm-hmm. when. TJ Storm, who was brought by Jessica Singh to mm. Japan, and he was kind of an unannounced guest. I watched yeah. as I kind of, as I kind of was the, I'm kind of the intermediary a lot of times when I'm in these situations, and kind of worked with the press agency and Toho to get TJ up on stage. Right. And then to watch, and then to watch Toho watch TJ as the line started for me, and then for Toho to come to ask me like, is he really this popular? I said, yes, he is. But then to, to see TJ light up and then to see him go up on stage and then to see the flashes go up and people freaking out. 
So like it's it's morphed into another area that I would have never dreamed of, and I'm so happy. I just I'm I'm seeing in my mind's eye TJ meeting people from Toho, and he's this large. Okay, for those who don't know, I'm I feel like you and I are rapid firing a little bit here. I need to slow things down just a tiny bit so that I can kind of catch people up. Um. Uh, TJ Storm is the motion capture actor uh, who's worked on many Hollywood productions, but perhaps he's best known for being Godzilla in 2014 and in 2019. And in a lot of ways, he's that's how he that's how the the franchise has kind of carried the torch of Nakajima and all the suit actors who came before them. Um, by having a motion capture actor, especially somebody like TJ, who is this massive dude, a, a tremendous personality, <laughs> so warm and so loving. He's got these big dreadlocks, and he just looks like he could snap you in half. But he's just so sweet. And to see him in Japan meeting – because he met Takarada-san, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And the, the, to see him meeting Takarada-san, to see him getting up on stage, it's – I mean, I, I was – it was one of those moments where I'm just like, man, I wish I was there, but I'm just glad it's happening at all. And That's the way to look at it. That is yeah. the way to look at it, I believe. Yeah. I – I I was very fortunate that I got to have my own little signing at the Godzilla store uh, back in February. Uh, nice. Uh, I had a kind of a bit of a similar experience to where apparently the turnout was was better than Toho was really expecting, and so I can imagine you know the way TJ must feel where you're just like. Uh, and and then you know you extend that to Toho where you're what you're hoping is that what you contribute is broadening the horizons of the genre, and you know that's my clumsy way of connecting the two. But <laughs> I it, it, it's it's just one of those things where you're just like man, there's still and 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 <laughs> another personal anecdote, something you just reminded me of because for a long time I was considered I was one of the guys, one of the folks who was kind of the younger whippersnappers of the of the <laughs> of the fandom. You know, like I was one of the one of the upstarts. I was one of these guys coming in and being like, "Well, I like Godzilla and I can I watched Final Wars on YouTube <laughs> when it came out <laughs> or whatever." And I use torrents to download Ultraman. No, Subaraya, I never did that. <laughs> Don't look into my search history. Um, and uh, uh, but now I've turned around. I, I'll turn around and I'll be like, "Oh my goodness, there are kids, kids half my age. They're they're 50, they're they're like their late teens, early twenties. You know, I'm thirty. I'm gonna be thirty five years old in December." And I'm looking at these kids, they're half my age, and they're coming up and they're making their own YouTube channels with thousands of viewers. And they, right. they'll get like 20,000 views for a video that's just them talking about Godzilla versus Kong and just excitedly speculating <laughs> on it. And that just, that's just – that's something beautiful. That is something really beautiful about that. Um, that's good for them. I mean it's, it's – it's, uh... Basically justifying that things will be all right, you know? 
that people will continue yeah. to enjoy this stuff. And there was a time, and I go back to when our TV show was on and when things mm -hmm. were starting off, that there was, you know, a kind of a negative bent towards some of it. And people used mm -hmm. to call and leave messages. But, you know, nobody's calling and leaving those messages now. They're calling and saying, hey, can you do this? Or are you going to be part of this? And, you know, yeah. I, I, like I saw this, you know, I saw it last year when I brought Akira Takarada and the guys from Toho and, and the Takarada family to Yokosuka. We went on board the, the Ronald Reagan. I mean, these were mm. commanders and doctors and, you know, scholarly people and people who, like, put missiles on target. And they were like, <laughs> it's the guy from the first Godzilla movie. Wow! You know, and they were just like all into it. And then, you know, to hear how important that was to Takarada-san, that he actually mentioned it and talked about it at the opening ceremonies of Godzilla Fest. I was like, mm. I was getting a little bit teared up, man, but I was oh. trying to do my job. <laughs> That's, oh, I, I, I can't, I definitely can't compare to that. I like how we're basically just trading uh, our fan stories at this point, but I, I closest thing I can say to that is uh, I, I got to hang out with Takarada-san and Kanatani-san, our buddy Kanatani, and a couple other folks at a convention in Florida earlier this year in February. Uh, and, oh, God, that was, that was still this year. And, yeah, and uh, over at Pensacon. And I remember... <laughs> I remember telling uh, – uh, I remember asking Takarada-san about his opinion of King of the Monsters and the new Godzilla movie. And he <laughs> he sort of was like, well, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a great fireworks show. And uh, he, he just compared <laughs> – he compared it to fireworks, and which might have been a little bit of a, you know, it's, it's something that uh, the international market really likes. Um, but that was, you know, it wasn't a bit, you know, he, he was, he was very, he was very uh, courteous about it. But I told him that I, th my thought, the the best thing that my thought was the best thing about King of the Monsters is that it's going to sell a lot of Showa Godzilla Blu-rays. And <laughs> he was, he kind of laughed and was thoughtful for a second. And then he said, next time I meet with Toho, I'm going to tell them that. <laughs> We know it's, it's it's nice that you had that conversation because you're not just having that conversation with just some person just hanging out. You're having it with the current navigator of Godzilla culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just the fact that Takarada has just so thoroughly embraced him. For those for, for those who don't know, Takarada Akira Takarada is the is the star of the original Godzilla, or rather, he claimed on set he was the star until he was br briskly corrected by someone who said Godzilla is the star. Um, but uh, I just thought that was that's a, that's just a good story. But all right, well, um, we've been we've been at this for just about an hour, uh, and before I figured that's probably good. But before we wrap anything up, because God knows you and I could talk about this stuff for hours, and we have, because um, I mean, you know, I just remember, you know, you you and I ran around the uh the southern tokyo area near the base and you showed me all of these great landmarks and you and i just talked endlessly about this stuff um i mean going to the beach where godzilla came ashore was really special even if the wind and rain was very cold and in my face um <laughs> it was it was still like wouldn't have traded it for anything 
really deeply appreciate that. But one thing I want to talk about is your involvement with the Gamera Complete Collection box set that recently came out. Uh, Now, you have your copy, right? I do. Yeah. How are you liking it? It is amazing. I mean, you know, it's so heavy. You could do like an upper body workout if you had two of them in your hands. It's <laughs> yep. it's thick. It's well packed. It's packed to the gills. Uh, I've never seen something so nice made outside of Japan or something that nice made in Japan, you know, with regard to <laughs> what, it, what it contains. But the nice thing about it is it kind of goes back to stuff we talked about earlier in this podcast is – but a lot of people were involved and, mm-hmm. you know, you had a lot to do with that. And when I got the call to see if I could help, you know, I had to rearrange and figure it out because there was some things going on, but you know, mm-hmm. all of this led to, you know, this beautiful box set camera, the complete collection from era video, you know, era video, like mm-hmm. what a collection, you know, like I said, when it, when it, when it arrived here, from London in DHL, it landed in my house like with a supersonic thud. Like, boom. <laughs> I mean, it was heavy. Yeah. But because of that, it, it gave me an opportunity to, to grow. You know, it gave me an opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to, to grease the skids with the Tokusatsu DNA people and the mm-hmm. Kadokawa Corporation and get, you know, some limelight on the DNA guys and, you know, the collection of uh, Eugene Simura and all the stuff that's there. And I don't know if you've seen the, the special feature yet or not, but uh, they edited it really nicely. And mm. I think it turned out well. And I think, once again, it's something for people who weren't able to go, who wanted to go. Now, you know, some people will continue to collect these things and enjoy this genre, and they might not ever visit Japan. But at least with, you know, all the stuff you put in, all the work you put in there, they can have something special they, they can keep in their collections and pass on to their kids. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I could, I am so proud of not just my work, but the work of everyone involved because everyone just did their damnedest on this set. And I'm tremendously happy that I was also able to kind of get people involved, people who were in the genre. Cause I think that was one of the big criticisms of the of the Criterion set uh, for Godzilla, which is still a lovely set. I, I I still like the set, but it feels like it doesn't have a whole lot of um, fan involvement of of people who are regulars in the fandom. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, for example, have like like the classic media release of the DVDs mm-hmm. that had um, uh, that had uh, uh, um, Steve Rifle and Edgar Zuchewski and um, all these guys involved, and uh, the, the 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 you know and so the Criterion set you know it's 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 still quite lovely, but again it feels like it's uh, uh, tr- trying trying to be trendy as opposed mm-hmm. to diving deep into the fandom the way that the Gamera set did, and mm-hmm. uh, y- now. You, the first thing you, that you got involved with was go, like you said, going to the Tokusatsu DNA exhibit. And for those who don't know, the Tokusatsu DNA exhibit is a, it's a recurring um, gallery space that focuses on specific 
specific themes relating to the tokusatsu and kaiju genres. And this particular one was for Gamera. Now, one thing I didn't know, now the, now the majority of the props and the items on, on display that I was very fortunate I got to go see, uh, along with Morgan and, uh, and, and Kanatani-san and, and Raphael and Alan and Javier and, and a number of other people who are with us, um, uh, I, I, just as a quick aside, I remembered telling my wife when she got, I don't know why I keep saying my wife, my listeners know who Morgan is and you know who Morgan is. Um, <laughs> I remember telling Morgan after, cause she had landed the night before we went like at nine o'clock at night and she, <laughs> she had landed and I was telling her like, Hey, by the way, we need to get to Kamada by like 9 AM tomorrow. And she's like, why? And I said, well, we got to get to the Tokusatsu DNA Gamera event. And she said, she said later on, she said, Matt, I love you. And I'm so glad we went. I had a great time, but I can't help but think as soon as you told me that the first thoughts that came to my head were, I haven't been here 10 hours and I'm already neck deep in kaiju shit. (laughs) 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 Uh, Pardon my language, but yeah, it's just, it it preserves the moment, but no, we had a great time. And uh, we were also very fortunate that the Nishimura's, were there and uh, uh, they, along with the gallery owner helped us kind of get in early for the opening ceremonies and stuff. And uh, we were uh, able to wander around the space relatively unimpeded. The thing that I, I, I noticed was that, okay, this is really focusing on the, the Heisei series. And there's a couple of, couple of props from the Showa days, but uh, very few and far between. It's mostly the original, uh, it's mostly the, the Heisei Gamera stuff and the Gamera the Brave, which is still technically a Heisei film. But it wasn't until the Gamera set came out and I started listening to all the commentary tracks that I learned that a bunch of those props from Gamera and Daimonjin and all that were destroyed in the yeah. riots at the studio. And that was yeah. really surprising and quite heartbreaking to hear that. Or thrown in the trash. Oh, it's so sad because, like, God, can you imagine getting to see something like the original, like, severed head of Space Gauss? Even though it's probably super decayed, it would be super decayed imagine. by now. But I can't uh, imagine. I mean, my, my only experience like that would be compared to visiting Toho back in 86 and seeing Godman's face on the wall and. You know, the Mad Cats from Godzilla 84. And the costumes, which are gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, those costumes don't last long. It's amazing right. the ones that are still there or even in the shape they're in. Uh, Correct. But, uh, yeah, those uh, – but but that whole exhibit space was really quite beautiful. And you were instrumental in getting over there and doing the interview. Now, as I noticed, they, they wouldn't let you actually – I thought they were going to let you, like, tour the space and do a little – shoot a little movie or something. But they didn't wind up letting you do that. Is that correct? That's correct. That didn't actually happen. They What they preferred was me to uh, – show the photo that I took, which, you know, also been published online and and Mm. published uh, various places. I did shoot a video of the signing wall. It didn't turn Mm -hmm. out too well. I'm not sure because of lighting. So what I ended up using for that was a photo that they provided. I really wanted to make sure that 
you know, the, the signature piece with all the people's signatures, including your artwork was in there. So I made it clear that got in there. So, that, you know, yeah, which was nice. It, the arrow edited it together, but they pretty much almost followed my script and mm. the images that I, you know, tagged and stuff throughout the video and the interview. And, you know, it looked seamless and it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work. I'll be honest with you. And I had to stretch my boundaries, but I, I'm really glad that that happened. And I thank you for that. Mm. I, you know, I had, you know, not much time to get it done. And then I got it done and then it, you know, it turned out to something nice. It was a little more of a stretch to do the commentary for <laughs> Gamma versus Jagger because, you know, I had never scripted an entire movie you know, that I, you know, enjoyed or watched. And I hadn't seen it since it was on VHS and my copy yeah. got broken. So I saw it again in a better quality. But uh, bless his heart, James Flower from Arrow Video, he wanted me to do it in one take. And I did it in one take. Wow. He wanted no, no cuts for the entire track. And so I ended up, to make that work, I made a 24, 25-page script with every section, every scene change timed. So I could make it work and even make it even harder. My family was asleep. So I tried to do it quietly under the bed, you know, oh. in another room in the middle of the night. And, and so it actually turned out better than I thought it did. And, you know, what a learning curve. Woo. But thank you for that. No, no, I, I, your commentary track was, I believe the first one I listened to, uh, no, uh, I listened to David Callitz first for Gamma versus Guron because I, I've always, I really enjoyed his work on Gidor the Three-Headed Monster, and I modeled a lot of my own commentary off of his style, but I went and I listened to yours right after that, and I, 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 I liked the kind of conversational hanging out and watching a monster movie vibe that you brought to it, because mine was a series of cuts, like I went hard into mine and like <laughs> and and wrote it all out and had time codes and then they had to edit it all together, which I'm sure was a big pain in the ass. But yours, yeah, I'm yours. Best asked for one track of mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they probably spent too much time. Where, yeah, working on mine exactly. Um, the so. With yours, like I said, it, it, it seemed to me because I've almost listened to all of the commentary tracks. I just listened to Pusateri's Super Monster track, which I did not envy him that job. I I assigned him Super Monster basically, <laughs> and I I don't blame him for hating me for that. Um, well, I don't think he, he doesn't. I don't think he hates me. I'm just uh, I wouldn't be I would not blame him if he did. Um, <laughs> That's a rough one. I, I, I still find Super Monster very charming in a lot of ways. Uh, but um, yeah, your Jiger commentary, it was it was fun because it was like there were little moments where you would you, you would go down these kind of rabbit holes and discuss. Uh, you would describe Expo 70 and you would describe uh, little little details about about Jiger or about the, the creation of the film. And then there'd be times where you would just be kind of hanging back and be like, Oh, that's gotta hurt. And <laughs> stuff like that. It was very, it was just very charming and, and uh, very relaxed compared to the kind of, you listen to mine and mine is kind of this frenetic, like rapid fire. Uh, I'm just like, here's a fact, here's a fact, here's a fact, here's a fact. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, no kudos to that, sir. So you what really fun pulled... it was. I mean, like, yeah. I'm go sorry ahead. to cut you off. No, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was a lot of fun, and like I said, I had a sh- you know, short time to get it all done, but uh, I think they did a fun- fantastic job. And you know, your commentaries, all the extras, all the bonuses, you know, the stuff went in there. You know, to just to you know get a special thanks and something so beautiful, it was it was worth it. And I, you know, I do hope that in the future, when other things come along, that maybe you and I can do something, or you know, in a group setting. Um, Throughout all these times, you know, I've always kind of kept the mindset that, you know, be thankful for this because you don't know when you get that, you know, uh, situation opens up again. And mm-hmm. you know, I've been very thankful to, to work with a lot of, you know, great people, including yourself. And I, I think it's inspiring to those who have such access to it and have such access to so much more that they are hungry and devouring all this stuff and the aero video, I think, kind of shook it up a little bit. I think it changed the game, you know. Oh yeah, I, I, um, I really feel like this, uh, the aero box set, is the Heisei Gamera trilogy to the Heisei Godzilla movies. <laughs> um, I don't. Wanna, I hear it's selling not... out or sold out, or in some places you can't even get it anymore. Yeah, it's um, it's become a bit of a of a hunt. Um, I think uh, I think I heard one friend of mine pay double price for it to get it off of eBay. Um, wow. It, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm. It's one of those things where it's like on the one hand I'm very happy and proud of you know something that's basically sold out, but on the other hand I'm a little bummed because I want more people to be able to enjoy it, but. Hopefully they'll do a second right. printing down the line, or they'll do a uh, they'll do a standard edition or something. Uh, I'm going to be recording something with James here pretty soon, and uh, oh, on, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him a little bit, see if I can get the skinny on what's what. But for the most part, I'm damn proud of it. Well, uh, Ed, I'm sure we could talk for another two or three hours. In fact, we might want to do another episode. I think there's just so many stories between the two of us that I think we could, uh, we could really, uh, do, do much more, uh, moving forward. So, but I think that given that it's 2 AM for me and I don't know what you've got <laughs> on the plate for the rest of the day, uh, I will, we will go ahead and call this a night. Um, is there any place, is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything, um, uh, is there any place that you want people to visit online so that they can find out more about Monster Attack Team or the, the work you've done? Well, there, you know, we do have the Facebook page and we do post things pretty regularly. We don't have a website anymore and we're not currently, you know, working on another magazine as of yet. You and I have talked about doing one possibly in the future and there's still that in the works and there's a lot of people who would want to be a part of that. So it's always possible, but there is the upcoming um, DNA of Tokusatsu Ultraman exhibit, and mm-hmm. they're hoping that that will go off. We're, there's still, you know, time between now and then, and they're watching the current situation as it unfolds. Sometimes the cases are going up, sometimes they're going down, but that would be something people might be interested in. Obviously, with the travel ban, it's kind of tough, but I hope that I can continue to, you know, promote some of the stuff and or feature it in a future publication. I do uh, want to thank you for this. You know, I want sure. people to know that there there is, 
you know, stuff out there. If you are not watching Ultraman X, you should be watching Ultraman X. It's great. Um, <laughs> I think the future is bright. I mm-hmm. hopefully that, you know, people stay safe. They wear a mask, be positive and thank those that are around you. You know, if you, if someone needs some help, please act, you know, listen, take care, be concerned, give them some help. Uh, in this time and age, we can only get through it together. So reach out to people. And if they haven't reached out, reach out to them again because it'll make you feel better. That's for sure. I want to thank you, <laughs> Matt, you know, from the depths of my Texas heart here in Japan. I know um, I know that you are also appreciated here in Japan. Mm. So I'm going to say that that people probably miss you as much as I do, and I can't look, yeah. I look forward to seeing you again in the future. Um, let's do it again if you want, and maybe we could – talk a different topic we can get a you know a better mic feed this time but it's nice that we can still make it happen <laughs> yeah well well we'll shoot it's been a pleasure and, yeah shoot ed like i said you're you're gonna make me all you're gonna you're gonna break my texas heart you're uh you're getting me all emotional uh but, but no thank thank you sir thank you so much for your time uh and um for everything you've done all the positivity you bring to the fandom and i hope that I hope that everyone I, I echo your sentiments, you know, I hope everyone stays safe as well. Uh, and we'll do this again. Um, but uh, for now, I am going to go ahead and uh, th- this I'm currently tangled up in all of the string <laughs> and cans that I have strung together uh, to get to Japan. So I'm just going to snip this wire over here and uh, we'll try this again another time. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.